Hello everyone and welcome to the first video episode of Cold Classic Society. I'm Tim Martini and I'm joined by my pal, Bobby Davis. Bobby, how you doing buddy? I am very good Tim, actually. The World Darts Championship is going on to, to date the recording as we always do. <laughs> I'm just having a great time watching some some people play darts. And I'm really excited about doing our first like video episode. Just to, to clarify... I said it in the first episode of our Nerd News new thing we're doing, but this will still be available as an audio on Spotify and Google and Apple and wherever else you listen to the regular audio, but it will also be on YouTube where you can see us talking shit. Yeah, and now we have to like mind how we look and while <laughs> we're doing this. Oh, Tim, we usually look like such shit when we record. <laughs> with I've actually put and everything. We're actually dressed for the occasion. Yeah, I actually look. I went self-referential. I put my ducks jersey on. <laughs> and look, you know, I've got my collection of trainers and my guitars. And Tommy Wazow looking real creepy. I say I got a uh, Venom statue there. I got an Evil Dead poster right there. My image has flipped, so this is really difficult for me to point out everything. We <laughs> yeah, got a nice Godzilla collection up there. <laughs> the room backwards. Look, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe we'll flip this in post. <laughs> But yeah, this is exciting stuff. Um, and just to quickly just like keep things rolling, I've got news of myself because um, this episode comes out on the seventeenth. Um, no, on the f- yeah, on the fifteenth actually. Date dates are hard, Tim. Come on, date dates are hard. Um, <laughs> in two days' time, from when we're, you'll be watching, listening, it's it, still interesting to say watching. Um, my new song will be out. <laughs> My first original. Oh, God. That can't be good. I mean, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's nothing about Evil Dead yet. So, um, yeah, there, there will be an Evil Dead song. I know there'll be an Evil Dead song. Oh, oh yeah. There'll be an Evil yeah, Dead song. It's, it's already been written uh, as we speak. <laughs> uh, yeah, the song is called Waves, and um, we'll have links to where you can find it in the description. But yeah, I'm super proud of this one. Not that kind of way. It's more like... <laughs> Tim, Tim, you still have to say stuff for the, the audio version as well. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, like like to see everyone. Like to see. Uh, but yeah, but enough about us. We're here to talk about Good Omens, an episode that, well, I was... This was going to take a while to do, but as we were speaking in last episodes you got really excited talking about it bobby so for you know as a new year's treat uh we should do this <laughs> yeah i've been wanting to watch this has been on my watch list for probably over a year maybe even two i love david Tennant and michael sheen and i've been wanting to watch this for a while just haven't quite got around to it as you know there's a million other things to watch and on top of that you know life <laughs> yeah i mean so I never actually read the original book that this is based off because um, Neil Gaiman wrote this for Terry Pratchett back in 1990. And then Neil um, Gaiman himself, he was working with Amazon for American Gods and then that led to this. Um, so I was just intrigued by it mainly because it was David Tennant and Michael Sheen working together. Yeah, I mean, I've read one Neil Gaiman book that I really liked, which was called Neverwhere. About, oh, like, I read the comic of that actually. Oh yeah, the book's great as well. It's the Secret Society Living in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. So I, yeah. I, I like it. He's also done some great stuff for Doctor Who. So, I was, yeah, because he did the Doctor's Wife and Nightmare and Silver. 
Well, he does. We don't talk about. <laughs> yeah, he does the creepy ones most of the time. Because yeah, I was a I was a big fan of Neil Gaiman because American Gods is like one of my favorite books actually. So I was really happy with like how that series was going. So to hear he was doing another one with David Tennant doing a um, his Doctor voice again. Oh my God, he's just the Doctor. A lot of the mannerisms as well. Yeah, it's, like, it's so similar. <laughs> it's like Gaiman and Pratchett were like, yeah, just be the Doctor. So, did you know any anything else about like other cast members that was in this show, or did you just know about it being Mark Machine and Tennant? That's all I knew. And there is a couple of other actors that come up that I love, so that's cool. That's good. And we're just going to dive straight into the first episode when we get a nice little monologue from God herself. Oh, which... the fact that the fact that God's a woman is probably pissed so many people off. Oh. Yep. Um, this led to a um, petition against Netflix to cancel the series. In which Neil Gaiman himself is like, yeah, Netflix, cancel my series. <laughs> Even though it's Prime. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, there was already a misguided um, rage and everything. But did you recognize the voice of God? And I know you probably did because Amazon X-Ray probably cheated and told you. Yeah, Amazon X-Ray, yeah, it does, does tell you. I watched it on my computer as well. So every time I moved the mouse, it was coming up with who was in which scene and stuff. And it's really the cool thing about doing video now is I can show you how I watch this. A nice steelbook. Oh, very nice. Look at that. Got this from CEX for £12. Oh, God. People give away some with some treasures, don't they? They do. They do. Yeah, obviously, so Frances McDormand being the voice of God, that already had a lot of issues. She states that the Earth was created on the 21st of October... 4000 BC at 9.13am <laughs> What's so funny about this is A lot of people who are into Sci-fi and stuff are like no 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 Like the story should always be Self Like self Contained so in this version Of this universe all the stuff In the bible is true that's fine Yeah, That, that works for me as a story point and that's because um it was like sci-fi and religion like in different shows they always like mess it like find ways to blend it like in american dad um there's a joke where jesus meets roger and he goes ah an alien while my father's side projects <laughs> so i think like and you said this is a work of fiction so it doesn't matter does it <laughs> i was about to make a joke then but i'll leave it <laughs> Uh, God states that the dinosaurs were put there as a joke, or the fossils. I this whole intro scene, I love it. It really not the sense of humor, but also if it was done now graphically, how I think Hitchhiker's Guide of the Guides to the Galaxy would be done. Yeah, like the sense of humor is very Hitchhikers. You know that like Neil Gaiman really obviously looks up to Douglas Adams. Yeah, because this is also like a lot of the writing in this is. Um, just reworked from what him and uh, Pratchett wrote in the 90s uh, novel as well. Well, yeah, yeah again, because you know who his influences are and who his friends yeah. were, you can kind of hear it. Yeah, absolutely. And so then we see the Garden of Eden where the snake tempts Eve to eat the apple and Adam and Eve being black also had a lot of issues. Oh, the, <laughs> the first two minutes of this this episode, I was like, Oh, so many horrible <laughs> neckbeards are going to be so upset. And let's be honest, the the cradle of life in Africa, where basically all life was formed from, the first people were black people. 
and people can't accept this as canon. People make Jesus white when he was Middle Eastern. What the hell? I I know, I know. It's still one of like the funniest things to me. So and as Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, Adam has a flaming sword. And this is where we see that the snake was Crowley. And he's joining Aziraphale, played by Michael Sheen. And this is their first interaction with each other. And they're already talking about the differences between good and evil, which it's really cool. sets the whole tone for the show. He's called Crawley at this point as well, not Crowley. Yeah. That changes, yeah. Yeah, he prefers Crowley. I think Crawley was just a thing because, you know, I don't know if it's because he was a snake or whatever, but... Yeah. I like that Tennant's hair immediately... So he's got the long hair now, but as you go through, the hair changes with the error, whereas yeah. Michael Sheen's character just keeps the same kind of... Keeps the same, yeah. <laughs> I like so, that uh, Crowley wonders about God's plan here, and it's that kind of, hey, why is he so cruel? Which is a lot of kind of atheist point of, like, if there is a God, why does so many awful things constantly happen? And that's a big um, thing about this series um especially with like an angel and demon being friends that's like the central conflict between those two because um, mm. um Azurafel just keeps saying the great plan is ineffable we don't understand it only god understands it <laughs> so it's it's god's will so we can't question it yeah and yeah i think this was written tongue-in-cheek by gaiman because every time he says that it's something awful has happened yeah <laughs> And what I find, and they even say, because um, Aziraphale gives us flaming sword to um, Adam, and even Crowley's going like, "Were you allowed to do that?" Iffy, iffy. And there's a funny thing where uh, Crowley says, "It'd be funny if I, the demon, did the good thing and you, the angel, did the bad thing." Aziraphale goes, "No, no, it wouldn't." Uh, I know his full name is Aziraphale, but for my note's sake and for the fact that it's quite a long name, I'm going to be calling him Azzy. Ah, good old Azzy. <laughs> I love how when it starts to rain because Aziraphale is just an angel so just inherently nice, he merely shelters Crowley with his, with his wing. Yeah, and that is something that you're not going to hear or see Crowley doing at all. He... What's weird is he is a consummate bastard, but as their friendship develops, you do see him kind of doing stuff for us. Yeah. No one else. Just no one else. It's only for him. And um, because when this was like written, it was written as a love story. So we've just seen it slowly develop. Yeah. I mean, there is clearly some erotic like subtext between them. Not quite this early on. But even by the end of this episode, you do see it. Yeah, because it's it's just introductions, so yeah. you d you don't want to immediately go like, "Bam, they're gay." <laughs> I know another thing to piss everyone off. <laughs> but um, funny thing about this, so when this series came out, um, ne like Neil Gaiman was being like, "Cause like called out on Twitter like for saying, why weren't you saying they this was a gay couple?" And he said, "They're celestial beings." They have no concept of gender. Yeah, it's just an an ethereal love story. Is the way they to just, put it. yeah they just happen to present as men on Earth. Yes, exactly. What did you think of the two D title sequence? 
I love the 2D title sequence, but it is the second thing in this show that's made me think of Desperate Housewives. <laughs> because, because, come with me on this, the voiceover does not, not sound like the woman who does Desperate Housewives. <laughs> and two, they have a 2D animated title sequence as well that ends with Eve taking an apple from a snake. I, I will say that I've never watched Desperate Housewives, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> You know what? I hadn't until the lockdown and, you know, when we're, everyone was just looking for something to watch, my wife was like, I watched this when I was younger. Do you want to watch some of it? And we watched some of it. We watched the first couple of series. It was it was alright. <laughs> At what point does John Barrowman show up? I don't think we got there, actually. Oh, no. You've got, you got to go back to it, then. <laughs> <laughs> now we flash forward to 2008 and we get introduced to two more demons who are on their way to meet Crowley. Who is now going by Crowley? I like that you're saying it right because one of my best friends, his surname is Crowley, and they in this in the show just say Crowley. Yeah, and I think it's definitely Crowley because I've known a Crowley for twenty years. You know, only the demons seem to call him Crowley because I know Aziraphale calls him Crowley. Yeah, just just the actor's chosen pronunciation. Yeah, I feel I think that's it. They just all had different pronunciation of it because also they don't know how Earth works. So they yeah. probably don't understand different pronunciations and stuff. I love how Crowley just shows up listening to Bohemian Rhapsody. He shows up late and then he explains that he was late and talks about the route he took here like a dad. Yeah. So funny. Like, have you ever got to a party and all the 40 pluses are just talking about the route they took there? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember it more as a kid and like all the adults at a family party would be I came down this way, and I went that way. I think it's because I just travel by train to places, so... Well, like, because it's in London, it's just public transport, so you say, oh, I took the Northern Line or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, same thing, uh, different... Different plan. Well, different, like, style, yeah. I love how they recount their, like, evil deeds to influence people. One of them talks about tempting a priest and another tempting a politician and oh in like 10 years time they'll both be ours and Crowley's like I took down a mobile um, network and <laughs> 15 million people with rage and oh, they just don't get it yeah they don't understand the modern person's obsession with their phone clearly I think uh, if a demon was to do that you know it would have a lot of an effect you know there would be I've, always, I've been saying for the last couple of years, it feels like we're one incident away from another London riot. And it feels like if all the mobile phones went out for a couple of days, well, yeah. <laughs> It'd be like the giggle, the riots and the giggle of Doctor Who. Oh, I would. Yeah, just because you ain't got no phone signal. 100 so. <laughs> so what what's happening is they're telling Crowley he needs to deliver the son of Satan. Yes. Uh, the picnic basket. <laughs> Yeah, they don't show you what it is at first, do they, until he goes in the car and he has a look. Yeah. But there's a couple of things that, before that reveal that made me laugh. There's one where Crowley says, chow, to the other demons, and they say, what does that mean? And the other goes, I think it's Italian for food. That really made me chuckle. There's a bit where um, they got, one of the demons says, ah, Liga here would be give his right arm to be you. And he's responsible like going, well, someone's right arm. <laughs> <laughs> and when he... What are you going to say? When he gets into the car, he's listening to BBC Radio 4, and a voice I only presume is the devil, I guess, takes over it to tell, kind of explain the mission more. 
And I was like, I knew BBC Radio 4 was the devil. I knew it. <laughs> and obviously he's going, shit, 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 because he doesn't want to bring on Armageddon. He likes living on Earth. Yeah, he's kind of enjoying the luxuries that Earth brings. Although, kind of, he doesn't say that yet, but you, you get the idea that he's obviously against it straight away. Yeah. So then we go to Aziraphale, who's eating sushi, and he speaks fluent Japanese. I mean, he's been around as long as he has. Yeah, he's he's probably learned like every language under the sun. Yeah. And he's interrupted by Gabriel, who is played by John Hamm. Presumably the Archangel Gabriel. Yes, yeah, that yeah. is exactly him. <laughs> he knows, Gabriel knows something's up as well. He knows that the, uh, the bad guys, if you will, are up to something. Yeah, they have intel. So you didn't know John Hamm was in this? Not until he appeared as Gabriel there. Because I remember seeing the trailer and just like seeing him appear in just like a brief cameo. I was like, oh, interesting. So it was like, because I listened to David Tennant's podcast either back in 2019 and he... Oh, that was a good podcast. That was. And he interviewed John Hamm in it. And he spoke about getting this role and meeting Neil uh, Gaiman for the first time. And what happened was they went to a sushi restaurant and just mm. ate there for like the whole afternoon. The next day, that sushi restaurant got shot down by the police. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Bad, bad, you're just bad luck, you lot. Showing up at sushi restaurants, getting them closed down. So, Dave, so Heaven thinks that Aziraphale's on Earth to monitor Crowley to make sure he doesn't do anything nefarious. Obviously not knowing their best friends. Best buds. And it's like uh, where Gabriel goes, it's a miracle he hasn't spotted you yet. <laughs> I know, I know. Miracles are what we do. I'm very good at my job. Shifty eyes. We get to the next scene. It was another surprise for me because you get Arthur and Deirdre Young who are having a baby. Deirdre's gone into labour. They're driving down like a country road, pitch black. And the two actors, I was like, I love these actors. Daniel Mays. Daniel Mays is amazing. And Deirdre Sheehan Brooke, who is also amazing. She plays Sherlock's sister, isn't it? In Sherlock? Yes, yeah. Yeah. In that great. one episode. <laughs> yeah. She's great. Yeah. Daniel Mays, he's like in everything British. Oh, he's it's because he's brilliant. Like yeah. there's no denying every time he he gets a role, he smashes it. There was one that me and Katie started watching where he there was like an underground illegal surgeon who was operating out of one of the abandoned tube stops oh. and he was like working for him or something there was a, and I think it got cancelled off the one series but it was really good I was like why did that get cancelled uh-huh. I don't have to check that out so they're on their way to give birth to the local hospital but on their way as well give birth yeah. to the local hospital yeah 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 <laughs> it's gonna be a weird birth <laughs> give birth at the local hospital yeah Tim. we're not <laughs> that out I am proud of what I said but on the on the way an American diplomat's wife. And did you recognize that diplomat? Oh, instantly. Even without... Nick Overman. Yeah, yeah. You can recognize... Yeah, I'm, not even a, I'm not even a big Parks and Rec fan or anything, but I know who he is. You just have to... That's that distinct voice. Yeah. Oh, he's got a pretty distinct face, even without the tash and Yeah. <laughs> but the nuns at this hospital are... The satanic nuns of the Chattering Order of St. Beryl. So, Satanist nuns, I was here for this. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. So their plan is to swap the American baby with the son of Satan. I was like, immediately just swap the omen. 
I've not seen the Omen. This is something very up your street. I mean, that's just literally the plot of the Omen. What, give the son of Satan to someone powerful? Yeah, literally an American diplomat. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's how the movie ends up. um, 80s. Awesome. They they probably nicked it from... Yeah. Well, they reference it um, being an American, like, based on, like, an American story, like, I think, in the second um, episode, so... Oh, okay. So it's very self-referential, and, like, they knew what they were doing. So we, there's Sister Mary, who is already unaware of what's happening. She's a bit of an airhead. She's not what you need at this moment in time. Yeah, I recognised her straight away. She is in Doctor Who in one episode, but she's also... Do you ever watch Tracy Beaker? Yes. She's in that as well. She's one of the main kind of adults in that. Oh, wow. Who is she in Doctor Who, though? I don't remember. Oh, she was a bit character in one episode. I can't remember. No, probably one of the tenant ones. I think it was a tenant one for sure, yeah. <laughs> so as the head sister's just telling everyone what they do, Mary's like, oh, I've been given nothing. She's like, get the biscuits. <laughs> that That is a job of your level. So the Youngs and the Americans arrive at the same time and Crow- and Crowley passes um, Arthur and goes, oh, has it started yet? What room is it? <laughs> Thinking that he's the American. Uh, and this 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 joke runs on that people keep thinking that Arthur is this American diplomat, despite his accent. <laughs> well, it's only Mary who does because, again, she just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, even though she hears him speak with an English accent. And he says that he was based in um, Suffolk. Yeah. Ah, we have a Suffolk here. <laughs> I oh. love that. I love that clearly the one who's only trusted to get biscuits is the one that Crowley bumps into first. Goes, yeah, you take the baby. Yeah, take it to room three. That's clearly where the American is. So that's what he, that's what Mary goes to do. And Crowley looks over his new son, who is now the devil. <laughs> the antichrist. Oh, Arthur looks over his new son. Yeah, Arthur, yes. And there's a really great scene here. After they've shown Arthur, the boy, there's a wink conversation where the two nuns wink at each other. Yeah, the and they have, There's like an inner monologue t- told by God about what they both thought that wink meant and they both misunderstood what the other meant. So exactly. funny. <laughs> so I love with the American, they're like, oh, what's she called a son? And she goes, Warlock. It's a great British name. Well, it's not just, it doesn't go straight to that. In both sets of kids, there are two nuns trying to talk them into either did like demonic or biblical names. So they start with Damien, who is kind of renowned as the son of the devil, right? That's yeah. Then. And then they go for a few more and they end up with Warlock and Adam. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what I love is that you just never find out what happens to the American baby. No, Warlock. Yeah, gone. Yeah, like we're well, looking at them, but the the actual American baby gone. You'll never hear from him again. What? Uh, what? Do they not? They not bring it back. They were too serious. They don't reference it nope. again. Nope. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! So Crowley calls Zerafel at Zerafel's bookshop, which makes sense for him because he just wants to own all the literary wonders of the world. I love this next scene because you, you get that scene, and then you get. God talking about how St. James's Park is the best place to meet in London because yeah. the ducks used to spy bread and they talk about like Russian bread from the Russian spies. This is an unbelievable set of dialogue that really just reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> it's you don't need this information, 
it's pointless, but it's like world building. That's that's what I love about it. And the I think another thing about season two of Good Omens is that um there's no more narration after it. So the narration is only for season one. Oh really? That's a shame. Yeah. So they're discussing like, oh like, you know, it's just gonna send up the the war against heaven and hell and then heaven will vanquish hell. And Crowley's raised to the good point. He's like, do you have any composers in heaven? Because we've got, we got Mozart, Beethoven. We've got one of them. Do you have any? Because they're all fucking wrongins. And then Crowley basically tells Aziraphale, if this war goes through, you will lose everything you love on earth and you will be stuck in eternity in heaven. All the books and the music and the food. No, no, no. You ain't getting none of that. So they, they start to realize that maybe, oh, they got to team up to save the world. But first things first, they have to dine at the Ritz. And they jump into Crowley's cool-ass old-school car. And it the way he drives around central London. I mean, I've seen people try that, but they're usually driving white vans. <laughs> yeah, Crowley just has no regards for road safety. So good. So after that, they head back to Aziraphale's bookshop because they want to just absorb a copious amounts of alcohol. I I was surprised that they were drunk when I was first watching this. Oh, God, they're demons and angels. They can get smashed. Presumably it takes loads. Yeah. And then Crowley's, like, while they're drunk, is trying to convince Aziraphale that they need to stop Armageddon because, you know, all the animals are innocent. And they sober up. The way they sober up is brilliant. They literally just refill the bottles from the alcohol in their bodies. They like, yeah, transport the alcohol back out of their body. That's a gross. That's good recycling. I was going to say um, the demons dissolve the covenant and they set fire to the building as well. So there's there'll be no evidence of everything they did there. Yes, they they killed at least one of the nuns gets killed. Yeah, they burn on the insides. Yeah, so there'll be no there'll be no proof. So Crowley says the um, it's okay to stop the diabolical plan because it's stopping evil. So heaven will have to allow it, right? Obviously, that makes sense. It makes sense. So their plan is to influence the child's upbringing. So Crowley will become the nanny and Aziraphale will become the gardener. So this is five years later we jump to. So they yeah. said there's 11 years till the end of the world and... We jump forward five years, so we're already we've already lost nearly half of that time. Six years away, and like you said, they get hired by the American family to be the nanny and the gardener. <laughs> and tenant here, where he's trying to influence the kid to be naughty, he's just like don't listen to the other one. <laughs> and then he sings an evil uh, nursery, um, not nursery lullaby. <laughs> so good. Tenant's well, I mean, both Sheen and Tenant in this are brilliant, but because I think Tenant had a lot of fun playing this kind of campy evil demon yeah and he really he, i think he smashes it out of the park that's it. i think just like a period of time where he was finally scaling like more like villainous roles as well because he or obviously had jessica jones beforehand um and yeah. then he had a american movie called bad samaritan where he's got to play a psycho so i think he was just relishing being like more evil characters and then again to do with like in the uk again rather than like on american shows yeah, I, I I don't even know if it was necessarily just about being evil. I genuinely think the campiness of it, he relishes, because I think that's what he relishes about the Doctor as well. Yeah, 
Because we should say, like, we're Crowley dressed up as the nanny. It's just him with a bit of makeup on. And a, yeah, in, in, in a dress. Yeah. In a dress. So it's, yeah, it's just very campy. And I think that's what, that's what leans into more what Neil Gaiman said about their, like, view on gender, like, being celestial beings. They don't see it that way. No, they're not bothered. The tenant slash Crowley just, just decides to hide by dressing up as a woman. Doesn't bother him. And the show doesn't like draw attention to it. Go, ah, oh, that's a man in a dress. No, but even to the to the world, they see this as a woman, which is it's just nice to see it done that way. Nice and progressive. Exactly. They uh, go to their head offices, which are just heaven and hell, which I thought was really funny. And and the literal staircases. Yeah, as you get stairway to heaven. Yeah, and Crowley just like absorbs through the floor. So rather than like a down escalator, which is what Azzy, Aziraphale goes on, Crowley just kind of absorbs into the floor. the floor. Yeah, it's really cool. And they're both telling their bosses how everything's going well. Crowley's telling all the demons that he's the most evil child we've ever seen. But when Aziraphale tells all the other angels, they applaud him, but they don't believe in him. They tell her that land's useless, that the child will obviously grow up to be evil and an Armageddon will come around and we'll have our big fight. But Zerosfell is going to fail. That's just, you know, that's just how it is. That's just, that's just how it has to be. We now jump forward and it's six days before the end of the world and the demons are feeding the Hellhound. Oh, the Hellhound is brilliant. Although we jump, before that, we find out one of the regular meeting points of Crowley and Aziraphale which is just on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> on a bus. Yeah. And but they yeah. do it like the they do it like the old like fashion spy away, you know, to sit behind the other one, you know. We're like we're talking to each other, but not sitting next to each other. We don't know each other, shifty eyes. <laughs> no, I'm just looking forward and just talking to the person in front of me. <laughs> the yeah. The hellhound is brilliant. You just see a paw. It reminded me of um Harry Potter quite a bit. The, well, I can't remember what the dog's called, but when they break into, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what film. I don't it remember. Is. It was, yeah. I've only seen them. I've only seen them once, I think, twice maybe. But yeah, <laughs> and they state that once um, the boy names the Hellhound, Armageddon, the process towards Armageddon will begin. Yeah, that is that's ominous. I like that. There's a definitive point at the beginning of Armageddon. Let's let's be accurate about this. Exactly. Crowley just suggests why not just kill him, Warlock. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a simple way of doing things. And then Zerofel says he just can't do it. Even if he's not Armageddon, he can't kill a child. So they're watching Warlock and his mum walking through a park. Do you know what park that is? No, what was it? Reco- I recognised it straight away because the mum says, and then you see a clip of it as well, oh, look, this is what they used to think dinosaurs looked like in the past. There's only one place in London, maybe even the world, that has, like, I think there's about 20 statues of what they thought dinosaurs looked like and it's Crystal Palace Park uh, <laughs> so funny they're so weird looking I anyone in London if you've never been and you want a laugh at what they kind of old paleontologists thought dinosaurs looked like go to Crystal Palace Park what's great about it is they all wore away and got destroyed by the weather and they put new ones in that look like the old ones <laughs> so they're historical landmarks they need to be preserved Exactly, exactly. Uh, Crowley has a doctor cut. 
He does. He does. He, just with the ginger hair. He looks like a ginger. Yeah, looks like a ginger version of ten slash fourteen. And it's and I love it. I love it. But um, so Zerafel says he wasn't too magic at the party. I but love it's not just how... like him doing normal magic that he as an angel can do. No, no, he wants to do street magic. He wants to do sleight of hand magic, and Crowley fucking hates it. <laughs> he gets it's so just, pissed off. I just think he knows it's beneath them, so he's like, why do you bother? Yeah, why is he doing it? It's so stupid. But he's obviously, he's got such quirks about like books and stuff, so it's not surprising that he's got a little hobby. He's like sleight of hand magic. Yeah. So we cut to the party. And as Zerafel, as you could probably tell, isn't doing a good job. One of the best things about this is when the kids are like, "You're shit," and the other kid goes, "I had Penn and Teller." It's like, "Oh, I see. I see what kind of kids we're dealing with here." <laughs> hey, don't be this and Penn and Teller there. No, no, I'm just saying they're snobby kids who got yeah. celebrity magicians. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if they're friends with American dips on that son, I'm guessing they're all very wealthy. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Private school kids, isn't it? So the Hellhound is sent out and it's on his way to the to Warlock, we assume, maybe. No. Saddened. Yeah. Aziraphel uses uh, they don't show this, but it's only what you can assume what happens. Clearly uses some real magic to get them on side. Yeah. But a food fight also breaks out Warlock's party as well. Yeah. I assume that was something to do with him and his magic and throwing stuff around. Because yeah. it was a great, great party by the end of it. So Yeah, all of a sudden it's an amazing party. So yeah, he must yeah. have like, just given up. So they, so Crowley gets contacted by uh, Dagon, who asks, Oh, what's the hellhound at the party? And you know, what did it look like? And this is when Crowley and Aziraphale realise it's the wrong child. Yeah, it's the only thing that makes sense. They do jump straight to that conclusion, but I suppose it's the only thing that makes sense. SEO, yeah, I mean, what else could it be? <laughs> so this is when we're introduced to the Dems with yeah. Pepper, Brian, Resleydale, and Adam. I love this group. They're just like uh, the Goonies or something. The British Goonies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the best one is Pepper by far because she fucking, she is all sass. She's so good. She takes no shit. Oh yeah, she's like the little bully of the group. <laughs> it's great so Adam talks about how he wants a dog for his birthday and if he had a dog it would be a little walk rider that would follow him around and do tricks and he would name it Dog just to keep it simple and so what the hellhound turns into a little walk rider and just jumps at Adam that's not a rottweiler He's a, he turns into a border collie is it a border collie? I don't know my dog breeds to be honest he doesn't say a specific breed, Adam. He just says he wants a little dog. So obviously hearing... I thought he said a little rock rider. No, he just says little dog. Oh. And hearing that, the hellhound turns into a much smaller dog than it. Yeah, I don't know I don't know my dog breed. There's no big dog, medium dog, small dog. Actually, I'd say a border collie isn't a little dog. It's definitely at least a medium dog. <laughs> but it is a border collie, for sure. So I love how... Uh... So we cut back to Crowley and Zerifel talking and and Zerifel points out that Crowley claimed that he started the Spanish Inquisition and the Second World War. Well, you know, these things need to be kicked off, don't they? You've got to keep, got to keep these things Some, out. Somehow, keep yeah. yeah. And cr- like a little like 
Chill goes down Crowley's spine, and he can tell that the Hellhound has found his master. It has been released. And now they know Armageddon is happening, so... That's how the first episode ends. So good. Really enjoyed this episode. I think Sheen and Tennant absolutely smash it. So good. Both characters are so out of place, but well done. Yeah. Like they're out of place in the world, but they're not only that, they seem out of place with their own kind as well. So I really like they're like almost like nomads to both worlds. It feels like they could both be versions of the Doctor because he's a nomad to his own people as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of tenant, um, ten in tenant's performance of, um, for sure. I've and yeah. having watched a lot of tenant stuff, he doesn't always fall back on that. So the fact the fact that it is so much like ten was probably a choice. Yeah, I, th- I think that was probably asked of him to do. To be honest, it felt very like it. Yeah, it felt like a choice rather than a oh, I'm just playing a British character again. Better do this. So good. No, I love it. Absolutely loved it. So good, and also just Sheena and Tennant's chemistry together. It's just incredible. You can tell they're friends. Like, yeah. I know we obviously saw in lockdown they did those ones where they were on Zoom calls, which yeah. is very funny. But yes, I mean because after this like first season, that's when they started doing staged. Yeah, that's what it's called, staged. Yeah, yeah. So and good. staged is just incredible. <laughs> so funny. Probably they did two series in like a year because what else were they going to do? Yeah, well, and it was it was very easy to do. I mean, where it's basically what we're doing. <laughs> We could yeah write a script to do it ourselves using the setup we've got exactly. <laughs> but we're gonna go straight into episode two, and it's Thursday, and it's episode two, episode two the book. Oh, episode one was called "In the Beginning." Yeah. By the way, uh, re- I didn't even read because uh, oh, obviously on my Blu-ray it doesn't say the episode titles. It is episode one, episode two. Prime, it does. Yeah, <laughs> but it's Thursday, and it's two days before Armageddon. And Armageddon's a Saturday. What a bummer! <laughs> Not even a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be a Monday. You know, let, let everyone have the weekend. Jesus. And Gabriel and another Archangel enter the shop, and they cannot blend in. No, that's so funny. Straight away, they're like, "I'm buying pornography." Really reminds me of Homer Simpson. <laughs> it's a pornography store. I was buying pornography. Which shows you, even even though he's a human, Homer blends in as well as an archangel trying to con- like hide himself. Because Homer uh, is not human. No, but it's what really I great. Was, I was saying when they go going to the back, they go, um, "Ah, we completely fooled them. Humans are so gullible." Then there's a joke straight after that that I really like, which is something smells evil, and then the zero fell goes, "Ah, oh, that'll be the Jeffrey Archer because I'm afraid." <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck Jeffrey Archer. So Gabriel tells Zerafel that the uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse are being summoned, and that you can't have a war without war. No, that's a good uh, joke. That's his. That's his little joke because one of the four horse yeah, people horsemen it turns was, out, yeah, it's called war. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a good joke to be honest. It's a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> Crowley is watching a TV show called Pam and Sam, and the only thing I wrote here is, oh, it's Connie Huck. How lovely. <laughs> and then the two demons just appear on the talk show and go, Armageddon's happening, Crowley. 
you better be ready. <laughs> yeah, they just take the place of the presenters, don't they, and start talking directly to Crowley from the telly. Let's see that Crowley's apartment in hell looks nice. I think, you know, I don't know if that's the equivalent of like a high-rise penthouse in hell. Yeah, man, he's doing all right for himself. So this is, um, so they also say that the American family will be taken to the Middle East where the war will take place. Yes, and they make a comment about how that's where they start like most of the wars now. I was like, okay, yeah. bang, on, bang on the uh, social bang on, yeah. nail there. And There's a peace agreement going on yeah. and it turns into a Mexican standoff. Yeah, was at like... first it's a very like nice um like they're all being very chummy with each other going ah oh, it's good we're finally going to get this war resolved then an american journalist shows up and all of a sudden everyone gets starts getting very tense to each other and they like, argue oh, over who's going to side first but this is when the outsourced summoner for the horseman arrives it's just he, it's just a postman i love this postman he just goes to the far ends of the fucking world and He's acting as if he's doing the local rounds. It's so funny. So he gives the journalist her package. It's a sword. And it's revealed that she is war. And what happens as she walks away? They all start fighting. A war takes place. A war breaks out yet again. So, yeah. And that's how the cold open starts. We get the intro and then we are sent to 1656 to watch a witch, witch burning i love how all of them are like let's burn her she's a witch how do you know she's a witch well she did all this to help us <laughs> fucking bastards like she did exercising yeah and then, then she just like three of them say stuff that they helped her that she helped them with it's like come on uh, that's that's what it was like for like yeah. in, in back then like like they were making medicine herbal medicine it's like burn her is it one of the ones she can read as well? Isn't that one of the things? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So we get introduced to Major Adultery Pulsifier, played by Jack Whitehall. Which well, I it, I did a double take when I saw that at first. Yeah, he's he's well disguised in this one, less so later. Less so. Opinions on Jack Whitehall? I don't love Jack Whitehall. I don't think he's very funny at all. He also, I've definitely... I don't know, something like... When Romish does the things with his mum, it all seems very natural. When Jack does the things with his dad, it all feels very staged. Yeah. And it probably all is staged, even Romish, but it na- feels more natural about the way they do it. I don't know. Plus, I just don't think he's particularly funny. He's I all right think... as an actor. Like, yeah, I think actor. his stand-up isn't funny. Um, but he's, like, when he, he's a good comedic actor, just not good stand-up, I just think. Yeah, I mean, he plays himself most of the time. I mean, it's just because he's... he's very posh so when he's just like doing stand up about very first world problems in fresh meat and oh he's hilarious bad bad education yeah but he's just playing himself in both of them yeah but because it's scripted it's not his writing no yeah he's 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 fighting though because he's they've gone just be you jack and he does it and uh, they're actually it it works for the part but in general i don't love him no also the fact that he had something to do with the star of aew was weird well, he's just a massive fan of it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a British ITV deal. Yeah, obviously. So they're going to burn Angus Nutter, who can see the future and has a lovely little book of predictions. And they go, oh, no, they, they can't be real. It's like, well, adultery came into town. <laughs> the name is adultery, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I love the title. Like you said, it's, it's called like the lovely, 
book of prophecies or something. Uh, do completely accurate predictions of Angus and Nutter. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> and she says she's the last true witch in England. Which is, considering how she can predict everything, is very accurate. Yeah. As she's being burnt, she tells all of the townspeople to come close, come close. And it's because she has gunpowder and nails in her in her dress that she just lets loose. So as she gets lit on fire, the whole town blows up. So funny. Like, she's like, all right, fuck you all. Her book gets passed down to her daughter. Yeah. And the first prediction they read is in 1980, an apple will arise that no man can eat. Uh, And we then jump forward uh, a few hundred years, and we're to Agnes's relatives, her descendants, and it turns out one of their mums bought 5,000 shares in Apple. Yeah, so they lived well off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they live in like on a Californian beachfront property in a place that would probably cost, you know, kind of fifteen, twenty million dollars. I think that's always a thing. Like, did you ever have like that that cop school uh ground like conversation? Oh, what would you do if you had like the ability to travel back in time? Like I'd oh, always I'd always say that like, I would go back in time and invest in like like tell my my family to invest in like Microsoft and Apple. Matt McDonald's in. Yeah. Tell them do do the Back to the Future. Tell them the outcome of sports events, <laughs> especially like Leicester winning the uh, the Premier League in 2016. Because if you put money on that at the beginning, you're going to be very rich because no one thought that was going to happen. In fact, you just make all these really smart investments so that no one else could predict. So yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you're a kid, you're like, I would go and see the Middle Ages, or I would go see this, that, and then you're like, how could I make money out of this? As you hold it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a capitalist society. We've got to figure out how to do this. Uh, so, the, fa- the family says it's all on the little girl to now save the world. Yeah, Anathema. Yes. So I'm just going to call Anna. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's pre-sized re- to save the we world. Get, we get a really good little joke here because they say, and there's another little, there's another child who will also be important here. And they go to zoom in on like this terrace house in the UK. They do a slow pan into the window and it bumps the window. Yeah. But the camera actually hits the, the pane of glass. I, I love just like little jokes like that. It's just a joke that you're not expecting. So good. Yeah, this is Newton Pulsifier, so descendant of Adultery Pulsifier, who his character is that he's shit with technology. Yeah, manages to take out the entire street by tried to put together a computer and then he get he becomes an adult and he gets a job in a company and he tries to look into the computer and it just causes another power outage so of course he gets fired for his troubles so we now cut to uh present day anna who is landed in the uk and they say oh you're here for business or pleasure like i'm here to stop armageddon <laughs> And then she just goes, oh, vacation. Yeah, fine, whatever. So, uh, then Newt- Newton, he meets a witchfinder sergeant uh, called Shadwell. Yes, a mad Scottish bloke called Shadwell. Yeah, it took me a while to recognise him, but he, I forgot the actor's name, but he's in Better Call Saul, actually. He was in the oh, is he really? Where, yeah, he plays um, Saul's brother. Okay, I haven't actually sat down and watched Better Call Saul yet. It's on my list, though. Fantastic series. Uh, we won't cover it on this because it's too dense of a show. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do some kind of special. I was thinking 
stuff that we've both already watched, we should do some kind of like just a retrospective of the whole thing rather than episode by episode. Yeah. Or yeah, we'll do something like that in the future. Maybe, maybe for better so. Yeah, absolutely. So he makes Newton pay for his lunch and then he keeps the change. <laughs> I love that. He just slips it in his pocket. It's so funny. So um, he wants, so Newton obviously wants a job from him and he asks him, How many nipples have you got? <laughs> Is that a what they, normal do, amount? Do witches have more? I don't. I don't understand this. No, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, so we go back to Crowley's house and we see his luscious garden with his plants and God says that he read a book about talking to plants to make them grow more. But he doesn't really just talk to them, does he? Oh, it's so funny. (laughs) This is one of my favourite scenes. He actually, and God says this over the, the voiceover, puts the fear of God into the plants. He screams at the plants. And they actually, like, shudder. Well, she says it's something about she doesn't just put the fear of God into them. He, he puts the fear of Crowley <laughs> into them. What I love is he tells them off like naughty kids. It's like, a spot? What have I told you all about getting spots? And then he, he takes the plant away and basically kills it because he comes back with the empty pot. Oh, so funny. And then he just says, I don't grow better. I don't even know why that's so funny. It just is. Because he's, he's angry about something that's really mundane, if you think about it. I think some of it is obviously tenants' delivery as well. So good. And, yeah, it's just, ah. Uh, yeah, it's just hilarious. So someone, so we cut to uh, Zerafel's apartment and, not apartment, his bookshop. And you can see that someone is calling him regarding Agnes's book. And he's kind of annoyed that he doesn't own it himself. Yeah, and he's aware of it at this point. And we find out later on that it's it's crazy that he's aware of it because there is one copy in existence and no one knows where it yeah. is. So he's annoyed that, he doesn't, that people ask him to have it because he's worried that he himself doesn't own it, which will come into play later. So Pulsifer goes to Shadwell's apartment and Madam Tracy answers the door, thinking that he's here for her. <laughs> I, recognize, I recognize Madam Tracy straight away. Miranda Richardson, it's Queenie from Blackadder. Yeah. I love Miranda Richardson. And she is a sex worker in this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think my favourite thing is when um, Shadwell sees her. He goes, oh, <laughs> I actually have to know here. Away you harlot, scarlet woman, Jezebel. <laughs> I love how he talks to her like that. As she makes him like cups of tea and dinner. And she's just like, yeah, 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 here's your dinner. <laughs> yeah, like she knows what he's like, but... He's She'll wear mad. him down. Yeah, he's mad is what he is. So he says, the most dangerous weapon we have are scissors. It's like, why Why is that, lad? <laughs> and he just does a stabbing push. It was like, <laughs> no, so we can cut and read. And so that is what their role as a witchfinder sergeant and private is to do, is just to read information to eventually find a witch. And he ex- Shadwell explains to Pulsify that the church no longer helps them with this. They're like on their own. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think like witchfinders are even a thing anymore in like real life. I'm sure there's a society of not. They probably don't take themselves seriously. It's probably like a kind of not a joke. A joke's too strong a word, but a kind of heritage thing where they're like, we are the witchfinders. It's like a social group. 
Well, like a um, historical recreationist. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I bet you there are groups like that. Yeah, I could imagine so. So, um, Aziraphale now calls Crowley and he theorizes that something could have gone wrong at the delivery stage and that they need to find the hospital files to find who the other child was. And this is where we see how dangerous of a driver Crowley is because he's driving oh, 90 miles per hour in central London. He goes full GTA through the tightest, <laughs> most traffic-packed streets there are in the Western world. It's insane. Whoever got to drive that car down that street for the exterior shots of the car was probably having the best day. <laughs> well, whichever stunt stunt driver that was was having a great time. Just go, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Yeah, what a job, man. What a job. So we finally go back to see the Dems. Wesley Dell is... It says he's destined to become an accountant. <laughs> yeah, you can see that. Pepper was conceived in a commune. Oh, a hippie commune, yeah. Because he's why she's uh, so sassy. And Brian is apparently just the idiot of the group. <laughs> no, no, no. They say he's a good friend. He's just a bit messy. Yeah, the idiot of the group. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have an idiot in your friendship group, you do. You do. It's you. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, 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 Matt. You know who you are. Hey Daniel. <laughs> uh, oh Matt Daniel. Yeah. Oh, Matt doesn't Matt doesn't listen, but people who know Matt listen and you can tell him. You can tell him I said this. Daniel doesn't listen, but I tell him. <laughs> <laughs> we all let him know. So Athena is doing her Wiccan we should also say that Athena has moved into the town that Adam lives in. And she's now in the countryside or the fields doing her magic to track down Adam to track down the son of Satan Whatever. she's also looking for the hellhounds so she knows that part of the Armageddon prophecy as well she says yeah. about a beast um, which is hilarious because you know it's a, t it's a tiny little dog yeah not much of a beast they say so the Dems automatically know that Athena is a witch um, because which just get their own newspaper. <laughs> Which is basically just a psychic paper. Not that one, a different one. Not Mystic Meg. Yeah. <laughs> and I was referring to the Doctor Who psychic paper. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not see. that not that one. The a one that just yeah, a Mystic Meg kind of one. Crowley and Aziraphale talk about how the plan was set up. So they're driving, are they heading towards the hospital where Adam and warlock were born and yeah. talking about how the plan was set up and how it came about oh it's like Aziraphale gives a nice speech like you know this is what happens we sow the seeds of evil we always come to flounder because good will rise up and Crowley goes it was just an ordinary cock up <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just think it was the normal cock up these things happen yeah and... it, it just always like shows like the differences between the two even though they don't necessarily agree with their um, world's viewpoints, Aziraphale still, in a way, believes in the teachings of it all. Yeah. Whereas Crowley just does not believe in it at all. No, Crowley's just here for the... He's here for a good time, not a long time. But he has been there for a long time too. He's there for a longer time. 
Long Good Time, which could be the name of their sex tape. <laughs> so the Dems find um, uh, Anathema or Anna. Uh, they're playing their own version of the Spanish Inquisition, the British Inquisition. It's so funny. These little kids, they reminded me of the South Park where they stumble across the kids playing Harry Potter because they're just dressed up like witches and wizards and stuff. It's so good. It just reminds me of the stick of truth. Yes, that's such a great game. <laughs> Not, um, it's better than um, uh, Fractured Butthole. Oh. I don't like the combat of Fractured Butthole. I like, how you're, you're, you're I, I, like how, I like how you're saying the title of that game. Because yeah. there's like, they 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 purposely put a gap in there so it doesn't sound like that. You're ignoring that. Yeah, because that's that's the joke. <laughs> the fra- the fractured but whole. Yeah, as fractured in- but whole. <laughs> <laughs> they, they purposely purposely oh never say it like that. Yeah, well, they don't they don't even say fractured but whole for any time. They only did that because they knew this was how they would get it past the censors. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, don't get me wrong. They know exactly what they're doing, but I just I think you're the first person I've actually heard say it without that inclination. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone else everyone else says it with the inclination that it's been said on like all the advertising and stuff. And you're just like, nah. <laughs> they fell for the advertising, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you so I don't tell you about fractured buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when Anna sees Dog and just goes, Yeah, that's all the hellhound. Yeah, they can't be this kid. Look, there's a little border collie, cute little kid, you know. These these kids are fine. And the way they're torturing Brian for being a witch is just pushing him on the tire swing. When they said they were going to play this game, it sounded really fucking ominous. Like, we're going to torture someone and find a witch. And then obviously, because they're kids, it just turns into, yeah, they're pushing him on a tire swing. And he's like, I won't tell you. Basically, he really goes to say yes at first. They're like, no, you need to play along a bit more. Yeah. He's just... And then they're going, oh, come on, I want to be tortured now. <laughs> Essentially, this, this game is deteriorated into who gets to go on the tire swing. Because then even when he like finally goes, yes, I am a witch, he goes, okay, we're going to let you go. Just do no more witchy things. That's it. That's the punishment. No more witchy things for you. <laughs> like, they're, they're such kids. And I think that's like the great thing about it, because you're seeing just how normal Adam is in like, yeah. the build-up of because, like starting Armageddon. Yeah, he's he's still acting like a child. So, Aziraphale and Crowley arrive at the hospital, which is now a paintball range. So, so funny. Did you recognise the company? That... Yes, yeah, so that, that was the company from the beginning, where Jack yeah. Whitehall goes and loses the job straight away. Yeah, I, yeah. I realised that because the boss, the one that shoots Aziraphale, he's an actor from Horrible Histories. Oh, okay. He's serious. I forgot. I forgot his name, but he's also on the show Ghosts as well. Oh, I know the show. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I know the show. Yeah. Um, so this is we see um, Crowley do a demon face to scare um, the guy away because obviously you know they're getting shot at, <laughs> and Crowley does something nice for Aziraphale. Oh, he takes the stain, the paintball stain, off yeah. his coat. I like. There's a bit right after that. That is that is a nice bit. Like you see, this is where you see their friendship flower, like flowering, like you said. What I said at the beginning, I think. Yeah. And but what I like about this bit is they have a moral argument over guns. They're like, no, guns are bad unless good people have them. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, they, they say guns give weight to a moral argument. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I mean. They're, they're literally like, guns are only good if good people have them. It's like, yeah, but everyone thinks they're in the right. So how does that work? So then Crowley decides to perform another little miracle by making all the guns real. <laughs> so, so funny. They're like, although then he's really nice about it because he gives them all like these little miraculous escapes. So yeah. no one actually dies. And I think that's where Aziraphale's like, you're not as bad as you're. Yeah, you see, see, you are nice. And and Crowley just slams Aziraphale against her. like, there's one thing I don't like being called it. That's nice. I am a demon. <laughs> I can just tell you right now, lots of fan art of that one. That oh, one. I don't. I don't want to know. I honestly don't. And Tumblr's one a of scary my, place. One, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Experience Share Pokemon podcast, and they always talk about fur affinity checks and stuff. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. <laughs> you knew what you're signing up for when you agree to do a podcast with me. I knew you were filth, but I didn't realise you would keep showing me filth. Jesus Christ. I haven't shown it yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is all just a ruse to show filth. I can hear you. I can hear it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watch this. Oh, do you want to see the fan art? No, Tim. No, I don't. I do not want to see the It's required watching now for me. I don't want to see what's on the, like, behind this camera on that wall. <laughs> Frankly, it's just plain behind that. I put nothing behind my monitor. Can't be distracted. Yeah. <laughs> now, as this is happening, the former nun, former sister Mary, walks in and Crowley immediately recognizes her. So he freezes her in place and compels her to tell the truth. I like the way the the spell is cast. He just snaps his finger. Goes, yeah, and she's she's under. So this is when um, they basically she just tells them that the records were burnt in a fire, so they have no like evidence to go off ah yes the way that all British orphanages lost all of their paperwork everyone got lost in a fire I don't forget the demons did burn it in the last episode oh they they did it's just it's always the plot device when someone's trying to find their real parent oh the records got burned it's just because they're underfunding the the NHS (laughs) (laughs) everything leads back to that as they're leaving uh the hospital, the the workers are being arrested by the police. Yeah, they're all just, yeah because they're all shooting real guns. Obviously, so like, what the hell's going on here? So now they have no idea what to do next. We see Anna looking for her telescope at sunset, doing more of her witchy powers, witchy spell stuff. And this is when God says, despite popular belief, witches don't do their spells naked. A lot of stories about witches were just written by men. Yeah, I like that line. I was like, yeah, there it is. Always, always written by the patriarchy. There you go. Yeah. You know, you got to make witchcraft sexy. <laughs> so as Anna and Crowley are both driving across the way, Crowley accidentally crashes into Athena. Yeah, completely mows her down. And there's a line here that I love, which is... As uh, Aziraphale says, you hit someone, and Craig goes, no, someone hit me. (laughs) Aziraphale summons a light above um, Anna so he can get a look at her, and he actually fixes her broken wrist and bike. Did you catch the line? He says, for the spell for the light. He says, let there be light. (laughs) Yeah, another Bible quote. There you go. Of course, of course. While Anna goes, there wasn't a light there, so Crowley immediately gets rid of it. (laughs) 
Yeah, go bye. And he offers a, a lift, and Crowley says, "Where's the bike going to go?" And Aziraphale magics a bike rack onto the back of his car, which he is pissed off about. He goes, oh, "Onto the bike rack," and as they're driving away, Queen's bicycle plays. Yeah, it's almost as if uh, Crowley's like, "Well, fine." Yeah, I see what you're doing. Listen to let's listen to bicycle. And um, Anna looks back at her bike and realizes gears have been added to it, and she goes, "I don't have gears on my bike." Yeah, and they kind of don't have an answer for that. But when they drop her off, and Zerofel takes the bike off the rack, the the gears are magically gone again. Yeah, he goes, "Look, a single gear bike, nothing, nothing auspicious there. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing to worry about. Nothing to to look into us again about shift gears." <laughs> and it's like, get get the hell out of us. We we can't talk to her again. <laughs> <laughs> She's too close to the truth. <laughs> she calls her mum, and her mum encourages her to use her pendulum to help. Like figure things out, and this is really when she realizes she she drops her book in the car. Yeah, she left her copy of Agnes's prophecies in the back of Crowley's car. So, yeah, that's no good because now she doesn't know what to do. <laughs> now Crowley and Azurafel are talking about how they're gonna find Adam, and Azurafel says, "Can't we just like when we have to just notice him?" And Crowley says, no, he's got this kind of special defense that makes him go unnoticed. Essentially, yeah, Adam... Ad- around his neck. Essentially, Adam's got a perception filter, yeah. It's another li- thing lifted from Doctor Who. I was say, like, they're in a, like, in a classic like British cafe as well. Yeah, they're in a greasy spoon, as we'd call it. Yeah, love them. Crowley doesn't know what the phrase is for what water goes off of, and he's like, it takes like 15 minutes before he goes, oh, a duck's back. <laughs> as Adam goes to sleep, um, well first we cut back to the house and see Adam Arthur and Deirdre talk about Adam keeping the dog and you know they're not letting the dog stay in his room and, and Deirdre uh, goes to check on Adam and Adam's pretending to be asleep and when she yeah. goes he calls the dog out and the dog's under his bed yeah and then as Adam starts to go to sleep like demonic whispering is entering his mind so the influence is starting to take over yeah I feel like if he'd been raised as a regular little boy at this point, he's just going to go insane rather than actually, like, demonic. Yeah. Well, that that gets... That gets... You see how that develops throughout the series. <laughs> Crowley and Aziraphale both have human operatives, and I imagine this to be, like, Sherlock's, like, Paternoster gang. Yeah, yeah, the, like, the they, homeless network. Yeah, exactly. There's actually and, a um, fun joke about that, actually, about their network. Oh, really? Oh, I, I so I've watched episode three. I was not to spoil the, the just surprise. Yeah, but I was like, I wrote the note here. Both of them, they both say, "Oh, we've got the human operatives," and they both agree that the, both of their operatives can't work together because they're not politically sophisticated. Yeah, and I was, oh, I need to see who this is. And the joke in the next one is, it turns out that they're the same person. Yeah, <laughs> which is Sh- uh, Shadwell. Yeah, it's it's a great joke. Cause... It is a good joke. So. Yeah, as after they discuss that, they arrive back at the uh, shop and there's zero fail spots that he has Agnes's book in his car and he just immediately just runs into his bookshop. We get the great voiceover from God as well saying he has signed copies of all the prof- like prophetic books except he doesn't have a copy of this one as it's the only one in existence. It's like, wow. Well, and the first prophecy he reads is about the angel reading the book with his cold cocoa. He goes, ah! He literally reads a prophecy about himself, and it's instantly true. 
And while he's reading that, Crowley finally calls him out going, yeah, I'm going to contact my human operative and we're going to get this sorted. And Crowley's just going, oh, oh, okay, but bye. <laughs> and what I like is he reads, uh, as Aziraphale reads all through the night, as well as it's the morning when Crowley calls. Yeah. And what I like is Crowley's got one of those old landlines where the phone handle itself is almost straight, apart from the bomb, it's just like a direct kind yeah. of 45 degree angle. And that is the phone my nan had. My nan passed away over 10 years ago. Like what? He's got such a weird mixture of old and new. Yeah. It's like he's collected stuff along his like thousands of years life. Yeah, things and like he's... just just kept some of it. So Aziraphale reads in the book and it's like, caught dial the number of the beast and so he and everything says, Oh, it can't be that simple. So he dials the Tadfield error code, then six six six, and he reaches Adam's family. The Adam's family. <laughs> And <laughs> you're so easily entertained. See, this is the fun thing about doing a, a, a visual podcast now. We can do more jokes. And everyone can see how, how easily like it is to make you, to pop you. So, oh, yeah. And my, my favorite thing is, is Seraphel's reaction. He goes, sorry, right number. Yeah. So, oh, shit. And then what I like as well is he actually doesn't, from Arthur's voice, he obviously doesn't know it, but he hears Adam talking about the dog. Yeah. In the background, he's like, oh, must be this one then. Yeah. And that's where episode two ends. So I, I guess you enjoyed it because you moved on to episode three. Yes, I loved it. it. If I'd had time, I would have finished at least series one. I just haven't had time. But really good show, really well acted, really well written, really funny. Definitely the influences of Douglas Adams there. You can also tell Neil Gaiman's kind of style writing. He likes... Absolutely. That, he likes fantastical worlds hidden amongst the real world. That's yeah. like one of his one of his things that he does. And he did it before J.K. Rowling as well. So you know, let's let's put that. Now <laughs> like he's yeah, I yeah really enjoyed it. I watched episode three. That was going to like, my required reading. I preferred the first episode because there was more of Tennant and Sheen in it. Yeah, they are they are the best thing about this. So what's actually interesting about that is in the book. Um, Azura and Crowley are barely in it. Dang, the focus really is mainly on all the other characters and then they appear like sporadically throughout to add their influence, but it's mainly about like how Adam changes throughout and then how Newton and Anna like they develop as characters and everything. Yeah, it's it's a very different read, but I think they realise, well, we're gonna get Michael Sheen and David Tennant on this. Maybe we should make them the focus. Got two of the best British actors, and not two, just two of the best, two of the best actors in the world. Yeah, and you're 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 gonna have them do, you know, less than ten percent of the scenes. Absolutely not. They're no. so good. But there's, yeah. they they hit both of them hit those roles so perfectly. Like Azurafel is this kind of nerdy, cleaner than clean guy who gets manipulated by Crowley. Crowley is just this, like. Git essentially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a cheeky git, and you love him yeah. for it. Oh, so good. Well, like, obviously, the show did well because it got a second season, and this is when they like so there, there's only one book of Good Omen, so season two happens, and so that was all the original story. And they've confirmed, um, last month actually, they are making a season three. Did Gaiman get involved in writing series? Yeah, he's been writing, he's been like writing the next few seasons, it's all him. 
and he said basically this was the original idea that him and Terry thought of like throughout so it's not like he's just making this up for the sake of it he's actually continuing it and yeah I think it just gets so much better I yeah I love this and I don't think I think if you told me that Gaiman wasn't part of series 2 I wouldn't watch on to series 2 yeah that was my concern at first but then once I saw he was doing it I was like you know what then I have faith because that was kind of my issue with American Gods. Uh, okay, yeah. He well, they kept changing showrunners through for each season. Because like for the first season, they had Brian Fuller, who's one of the best showrunners ever. Because he did the yeah. Hannibal TV series. If you've ever watched that, no, I haven't. I know, I know that it's well loved though. Yeah. Uh, so he did that, but then season two they got someone else, and season three they got another person, then got cancelled. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> to have a consistent probably... vision throughout the entire show. Like you can see, it's the same shot. Yeah, that's good. I've got a couple of Neil Gaiman books over there. I've still got my copy of Neverwhere. I'm just looking over to my shelf for those who are watching. I've got a shelf over there. And I've got a copy of A Nancy Boys. I've not actually read, but I do want to read that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, like one of my charity shop pickups. Oh. <laughs> but Bobby, what's my required reading? Well, in two weeks... You know, I said, I think it was, it was either in, the, either in the Doctor Who episode or the episode before, I said, we're going to change the format just a bit. We're still going to try to lean into picking stuff that the other one hasn't seen, but sometimes we will go with stuff that both of us have seen. And I was having a think, having a look at kind of the lists we curated, and there was one that we'd both seen, it had been crossed off. I was like, but I want to talk about it. <laughs> I, And I think, you know, because we're both such film and TV nerds and music nerds, there's a lot of big things that we'll never talk about because we've both seen them. And this isn't a huge one, but I still think it's pretty big. It's led by a big actor, it has the debut of another big actor, and based on a comic book. And, you know, what's more culty than comic books? <laughs> so, in two weeks, Tim, we're going to talk about The Mask, starring Jim Carrey. I'm ready. Let's go. Ah, that's the Blu-ray I've got too. That is the Blu-ray. Let's go. I'm ready. I actually, I actually had to get mine imported because I got it years ago before, for like seven or eight years after the Blu-ray was released in America, it just wasn't available here. Was really? that Yeah. So I've got a uh, Region One Blu-ray. Oh wow. Obviously, but obviously most Blu-ray players are not region locked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, but I, this is exactly the same cover, which is super annoying. But I, I think I've already paid like twenty quid for it. Um, I, mean, I got like, this like eight years ago now, so I think this is like a five where I got it. Yeah, I mean, I I had mine probably I probably got it in two thousand eleven or so, and it was still before it was released here. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. It might have been a bit before that actually, but yeah, it was. And just, yeah, we'll talk about it next time. But yeah, yeah. we're going to talk I'm about the mask. Excited! I'm excited. <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on social media, I am the Tim Martini on all social platforms, and you can also find my music on Spotify. Bobby, where can they find you? Oh, I am on X. I am on Instagram as bdavis underscore creative. You can follow all of my creative endeavors and artwork, as well as my work with Purpose Wrestling, which you can, yes, which you can look at on at WrestlePurpose on X and at Purpose Wrestling everywhere else. Find us on YouTube, watch some full shows. We're on Patreon. Find us all there. And... You've got a new project, Tim. We've got a new project as well. We did. We are launching a 
family-friendly wrestling company as well. So Purpose is a bit more adult-orientated, a bit more grown-up. Well, we like we like kid-friendly wrestling too. We love family-friendly wrestling. So go follow Mighty Pro Wrestling as well. We're doing our very first show in February, February 17th in New Addington. Uh, come down, if you, especially if you've got family and kids or little brothers and sisters, bring them down. It'll be great. Awesome. And, well, we have more socials to plug now for this podcast, don't we? Because we, yeah, we, we are on Twitter, we're on Reddit, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok. And as you can see, we're on YouTube. Hello. And that CC Society pod lives you on all platforms, right? Yeah, CC Society pod. Uh, you can obviously just go on YouTube and type out Cold Classic Society podcast, you'll find us. I'll also... I mean, yes, you're already on on youtube so just i just hit the subscribe button and the notification bell and if you're listening to this on any podcast platform in the description will be links to the youtube yes so you can you can see our lovely faces as we talk nerdy shit yes and of course if you want to send us an email it's cccsocietypod at gmail.com i've been tim martini no no? Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's told you. Bobby Davis. I told you, since since I've written, like, you know, my complaint about no one ever saying goodbye on the phone in movies and TV, I'm never saying it again. <laughs> and I, I will do a theme, I will do it based on whatever we're doing, and this time we're doing things about heaven and hell, so go to hell, Tim. <laughs> no, I'll probably go to heaven. All right. <laughs>